Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Okay, I am recording now. We are on air with the Shrink Chat show with Shannon and Kathy. Get it together. Get it together. She was being Get it together. nuts. And I had to push record just to save myself. That's what happened. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> completely composed. Now she's gaslighting me. Okay. So here we are. Welcome to Shrink Chat. Welcome. Cool. Yeah. So this week we did the old doctor sleep a couple days ago, which was fun. I enjoyed that. I went through that tub of popcorn in 40 minutes. I looked. I looked. So when we go to the movies, we discussed it in the Tarot Talk show, but now we'll really get into the psychology of popcorn. No, not not really. We have a theater that we normally go to. Um, we did not, we were not able to go to that theater for this movie. So we went to the theater down the road, mm-hmm. but we had certain traditions that were still solidly in place. Correct. Which is that Kathy buys the a pup tub of popcorn that is bigger than her head, mm-hmm. possibly bigger than her shoulder width, <laughs> and then eats her size in popcorn. Yeah, I down it. Yeah, I I got a couple of little. I reached over and you got did. a couple of little bites. Yeah, stole a few bites there and put them on my plate. Uh, but it went. I. The, uh, the movie is two and a half hours. It was really good popcorn. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what was happening? Because that is faster than you normally. It was so good. Mm. What These was- are like the giant tubs, guys. Like yeah. that's So I have this tradition. My mom and I used to go see movies all the time when I was a kid. My mom grew up uh, going to, she she was born in Puerto Rico, but her one of her aunts lived in New York. And so she would go in the summer, she would live in New York City and go to Radio City every weekend and see double features. Nice. So I, that's where I get my love of film. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and I had a tradition growing up and she's the one who like really got me into horror movies and all this stuff. We'd go to the theater and she'd be like, all right, this is, and she's real tiny. She's, mm-hmm. she's really small too. And we would go and she was the one who got me so hooked on movie popcorn we'd both go and get our diet coke and mm-hmm. our massive popcorn and eat ourselves <laughs> so now it's like it's a thing it's a thing for me i can't go to the theater and not have popcorn even if i go to dinner people are like you want to go to dinner first i'm like yeah i'm gonna eat really little because I, I, I have stuff. to have that <laughs> so you're just like um Danny Torrance being an alcoholic like his dad. You're popcornaholic. Having a popcorn. But it was, you're right. I ate that whole. That was huge. To connect to your mom while you go to the movies. Is that it? And we're going to psychoanalyze sweet. the shit out of my. You just brought your mom into it. I did. How could I not? I did. <laughs> I She's just... one of the reasons I love movies so much. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's very and popcorn. sweet. Well, we're a popcorn family. When we get together for the holidays, we just we make it the whole week when we're playing games and stuff. So, so, so I eat this, it a lot. So. <laughs> My dogs eat it. So, well, of course they do because the air popped. Let's not get crazy and called ASPCA. There's I was no gonna, I was, shit yeah, right. on it. I was gonna say, what do you put? Uh, we're gonna we're still talking about popcorn, but um, <laughs> what what do you put on the your popcorn at home? I'll, I use the air popper, and I actually, you know, mostly plant based. So I use Earth Balance butter. Mm-hmm. 
And then for those of you out there who are or are not plant-based, if you're plant-based already, then you probably know what nutritional yeast is, which kind of looks like fish food. Mm. It's really just B12. Does it smell like fish food? Nope. And it tastes like cheese. Oh. And it's just B12, basically. Mm -hmm. And I mix that in with the Earth Balance butter with my air popper. I don't really, if the dogs are going to have it, I don't add any extra salt or anything. But if they're not going to have it, then sometimes I'll put like a seasoned salt on it. And that's it. So at the movie theater, what do you do? Nothing? Well, at the movie theater, the the butter is actually partially hydrogenated soybean oil. There's no butter in it. So for those of you out here, out there who put it on your popcorn and think you're, eating butter it's not it's soybean oil but i find that if i put it on i can only eat like a couple handfuls so i just i just get the plain you have to make it through the whole i gotta get through that tub (laughs) you gotta page yourself and i will get so sick if i put i can put like a little bit of the oil but usually i just like the the plain popcorn seasoning and and the plain i know some people use the shakers with the flavoring but that's too salty for me yeah you have two handfuls and you're like blah it's just too salty yeah it's too much so that's our show no (laughs) Thanks, guys, for tuning in. (laughs) That's popcorn. That's all about popcorn, you know, and vegan popcorn, if you're curious, which you took a little bit of the zhuzh out of it for me. I'm not going to lie. But what do you mean? I'm really glad that you. How did I take the zhuzh out? Because it sounded healthy. It's it's. It's not, though. I agree. I yeah. hear you. If you I taste you. it, you wouldn't know. I hear you. It's just our um, culturally contrived. Yeah. Um, visions yeah. of anything that when you i live we live in california for goodness sake yes, like we do. everything is healthy and you know there's a culture of that yeah and so some of sometimes it's difficult because then you think like oh it's healthy it's gonna taste terrible but i'm sure it probably just tastes the same as anything this else. is what i'm gonna do the next time we have a movie night at your house i'm gonna bring the air popper and i'm gonna make it how i make it at home for you. That's, that sounds fantastic. And now I'm going to have to talk about it on the shrink chat. Yeah, we'll revisit. Okay, cool. I'm really open to that. That was 25 minutes on popcorn, no, ladies and gentlemen. Only five. All right. So trivia. Do your trivia, please. Michelle from San Francisco. Hi, hey, yo. Hey. Hey. Hi, Michelle. Hey. Michelle sent a telegram. Okay. Fair. Uh, Let me find our, our thing Notice here. I didn't say it. I know you didn't say it. <laughs> I just wanted a little validation for not saying, she doesn't have our address. We don't have a P.O. box. <laughs> we the should question. Probably, we should probably get one. Mm. Was, what is the name of the Celtic festival that mm. many people believe Halloween is based on? And the answer is, well, it's spelled S-A-H hyphen W-I-N. So, yep. Sawin or Sawin? Yep. Yeah. Good work nice. please send us your the information yeah if you want some stickers we'll so send that them we out can to you. send you a telegraph with... i'll send you your pigeon back to michelle <laughs> it's just san francisco it's just you it's know it's like harry potter we'll, we'll send the owl with yeah the stickers yeah on his the bottom of his feet if only we were so cool as to have that owl in our lives so we have a couple things going on this week so we are actually going to be skipping trivia for this week so next week we'll be back on with our mm-hmm. our trivia questions so yeah so nothing to answer hold this week tight pause please for the five of you who play <laughs> hey five is more than zero it which is. is where we started We're challenging so. all you who are sitting out there silently knowing the answer and rebelling against being part of our crowd oh boy she's such a shamer <laughs>
That's how I do therapy. Well, <laughs> if you suck. wouldn't have talked to your mother that way, you wouldn't be in here today. <laughs> you wouldn't be punished by having therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also remember that anyone who answers sort of gets a hash mark. Uh, I'm keeping track so that every time you participate, uh, it'll go in a little bowl, I guess, a fancy yeah. bowl of some kind. I've got a little bowl here that you can't see that's got everybody's name in it. And then kind of like votes like tickets in a lottery type of thing and then in um, i think the new year when we start the new year i'll pull a name and we'll send you a gifty because i got i get swag and stuff i never know what to do with it so send it out i'm gonna send it out free stuff all right what are you watching you are is there anything in your life in this moment i'm watching the clown across the room stare at me because this damn thing's still in here even though you've cleaned up a lot of the halloween decorations yeah i, I took out the zombies and i left kathy's friend and i put her in direct eye contact with kathy my dog won't even go near her. well okay bell's in the audience and bell's in the studio today yeah bell is kathy's one of kathy's dogs she's just She's a little nap in the back. Hanging out on the chair. <clears throat> what am I watching? I yeah. watched um, the Netflix documentary. Hmm. It's five episodes called The Devil Next Door. Ah, yes. So I found myself, I, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get bored by this, but I'm going to watch it. And I found myself like really into it. Okay. Um, so it's based on, the story is about a Cleveland grandfather brought to trial in Israel after he's accused of being the infamous Nazi death camp guard known as Ivan the Terrible. Right. So uh, John uh, Dimjanjuk, I think is how you say it. Wow. Dim yeah, Dimjanjuk. Okay. Um, they say it a couple different ways in the... But anyway, he he states the whole time clearly that this is not him... And he had, I think, I think in the series you see that they find a couple different pictures and they bring in all these experts who are trying to compare features. And but the most, I think, heart-wrenching part for me watching the series, and um, this is not a spoiler because the story's out there, that he ends up first getting let off and then years later they find information and they bring him I'm sorry, I, I reversed that. They first accuse him and he's sentenced to death. They send him, you know, to prison and then they appeal it however many years later and um, they basically have to tell survivors that they were wrong mm. after getting some closure, um, in their mind, closure, you know, and and watching the devastation of these people, many of them, because this happened in the 80s. So a lot of the survivors are now gone. I think there's only a couple left from from World War II, from the concentration camps. Okay. So there were still many at this time. And it was really devastating to watch. And I don't know if we'll end up doing a series, I mean, uh, an episode on the series, but to me, the most intriguing part of the whole docu-series was watching how they essentially had to tell these people um, all of the suffering that you're saying you went through because of this guy uh, isn't true. Oh, wow. And so imagine with everything they've been through having to then, when they finally feel they get their justice, 
a few years later, that's all reversed. And that's really terrible. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like going back and forth on whether or not he actually is hmm. this guard. And, and for people who don't know anything about Ivan the Terrible, he was someone who would, as people were going into the gas chambers, he would slice their ears off, slice women's breasts off, slice people's fingers. He would torture them as they were going into the chamber. So, so he was a monster. What I'm thinking is maybe um, we have a couple of slots open at the end of December. So for Christmas, we could talk about this horrible person. Um Maybe we do an episode on the documentary, but then also add in, um, you know, the reported crimes of his, because it mm -hmm. turns out it's not him, obviously. Well, they don't know. Oh, they he don't ends know. Up, he ends okay. up dying. Um, They're not sure. And so, so it's, it's, it's inconclusive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we would end up talking about both the documentary, what, what happened, and then what pr supposedly happened. Yeah. I don't know. It's an idea. We could... I don't know. Yeah. I, th I think it's I mean a there's a lot there to talk about even even just from the side of the survivors and their reactions okay. and sort of the group think, you know, did they all agree yeah. psychically that mm -hmm. this this then and here was their opportunity to say everything they wanted to this man and therefore it had to be him. Yeah, so we could go down both roads like mm -hmm. if it cuz we don't know for we, sure yeah. we could go down the road of if it really was him and the kind of I guess for lack of a better word mindfuck that that is and then if it isn't him and that's also yeah it's it's fascinating i i thought i was going to get bored after one episode and i was really pulled into it well that's good to hear i'll um i'll make it more of a priority I, again i was kind of looking at it and i had the same reaction just when i was wanting to watch it mm -hmm. like oh, i don't know i'm going to have i was thinking i'm going to have to i have yeah. a feeling we're going to have to talk about this on the show yeah so i'm going to have to anyway which is kind of what's happening which is fine i uh so i'm 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 gratified for it being better than i'm thinking it will be so dem jean juke oh okay bless you thank you <laughs> i have not been watching dark stuff i I got into a Hallmark movie moment. Oh, this, you know, they filmed 40 this year for Christmas alone. It's insane. So here, okay. So Hallmark movies, judge me now. So, and then once you're done, then here's the thing I have observed is I watched a couple of, and this is guys, this is like, while I'm doing other things, <laughs> like cleaning the house, baking cookies, wrapping <laughs> yeah. presents. I would basically like turn on whatever monitor was around me because my whole life is like streaming and we're all very technologically savvy here in the house. So wherever I was, I would just throw it on, whether it was my phone or wherever mm -hmm. I'm moving around the house. And so here's what I observed so far in my handful of movies is I watched a couple of newer ones like this year, the last couple of years. And there's a very specific formula that happens where nothing happens until the kiss at the end. <laughs> <laughs> they literally, it's two people falling in love the whole time. And there's a lot of inns and cabins, which I love. Yeah. Inns, cabins, cookies, tea. They're saving a camp. They're saving an inn. Yes. They're, they're saving a dog. They're often fish out of water. You know, someone's from the city. Someone's from Texas. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's she comes back thing. to her small town. That's right. He's it's, married with well, 17 kids. Yes. Or just single and brooding. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So then there's all of that, like, we can't be together because we're so different and, and all of that. Or I hate him. 
I love you. I hate you. And they're in love. And then they're in love. And then the last thing is they finally kiss. Oh, it's so innocent. And yeah, super, super innocent. I love that. Well, agreed. I mean, not all the time. Some of them kiss well. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, I wish I could have recorded your face (laughs) for the screen. Some of them kiss well. You're getting, granted, listen, you're getting one kiss. Yeah, you get, yeah. They have to work up to that. So that, no matter what I was doing, I would stop the last five minutes. All right, here it comes. We're waiting for the kiss. Yes. Let's see and, what's happening. Oh, and, that was disappointing. Oh, they're bad. Because, listen, <laughs> um, you know, I acted a million years ago, and kissing is difficult to, like, if especially... With seven cameras around. It, uh, you bet. And if you're in any way not in the moment and trying to avoid it or you don't like them or they need a mento or whatever the <laughs> hell is going on, it's you can tell. And yeah. then sometimes it'll be good. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay, they sold that. They sold me on that. Yeah. I'm happy with the story. Next. So there's that formula. But then if you watch, Hallmark has a thing where – one of the sections that you can watch on like the streamable Hallmark now or whatever the heck it's called. Um, there's a section where it's like classics or hall of fame. I think there's one that's called mm-hmm. hall of fame or most popular hall mm-hmm. of fame ones. So these could be, you know, within the last 20 years, Hallmark type movie. So I started watching a couple of those and a very different type situation because oh. one, they're the better ones because they're the Hall of Fame, right? So they're probably like the most popular. They're also ones with big stars yeah. that were like back in the day they did a Hallmark movie type of thing. So there's often good acting. Yeah. There's, there's often um, more complicated story and sometimes they kiss before the end. Ooh. That- <laughs> Because, because, and they, all of them either have Christmas in yeah. or kiss in the title. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, <laughs> I think for me, though, one of the things that I love about it is I grew up in snow. Yeah. Not yeah, in yeah. the snow. That's yeah. dramatic. I didn't grow up in the snow, but I grew up with seasons. What are you, an Eskimo? That had snow. Hmm. And so there's a lot of nostalgia. And I think for a lot of people watching it, it's, you don't even care what they're talking about. It's the feeling you get, it's, you know, when they're yes, in, in yeah. these inns or, yeah these cabins and all the whole Christmas season, but you have really deduced this. I mean, you have, <laughs> there's a science. I'm well, you know, I'm a story person. I so get I'm, that. I, it's in all the things I do is this thing about story. So you should write a blog on the, the <laughs> science behind Hallmark. <laughs> I'm here talking to you. This is my blog. Um, yeah, I'm into story. But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of to do. The only reason why I got it is because it's the holidays. And you and I always joke around like, oh, it's the holidays. We got to watch Hallmark movies. Seriously. And I am always behind the curve because I don't have regular cable. And so I don't have the Hallmark channel. So this year yeah, we downloaded like, the app. Yeah, I was like, we're going to I'm going to pay, you know, a, a minuscule. Bucks uh, yeah, a, a minuscule month. amount of money to have it for a few months so that I could watch the Christmas movies. I was kind of disappointed by the newer ones because. They're so bad. Yeah, they are. And they filmed four. I looked this up. They filmed 40 this year. 
because yeah. I think they've realized in the last few years that people, because there was a time where watching the Hallmark movies were kind of lame and now it's really made a comeback and so many people watch them again. I know. And so then the quality is deteriorating is what I'm kind of seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so Quantity many. Quantity over quality. Right. Because we, in, you know, I guess there's this like imbibe them like potato chips kind of mentality. But anyway, that's my Hallmarks. I also watched uh, The Bounty Hunter with Jennifer Aniston. Wait, Do you remember that is, movie? Which one is that? Oh, um, Gerard. Oh yeah, <laughs> I almost yeah, said yeah. Gerard Butler. Depp I know. Depp I was waiting for <laughs> Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler and yeah. her are in it. He's a bounty hunter, one. and she's his ex-wife. And yep. you know, they kiss at the end. Yep. <laughs> like a Hallmark movie. Only I, I was, and I was looking for light stuff. And Jennifer Aniston, if you're not looking at her independent movies, she's often a good, you know, rom-com. Um, I also, the last thing is I also started watching and have not finished an Irish series called Can't Cope, Won't Cope. And it's these two young Irish ladies basically just behaving badly. Hmm. They're so far so good. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're drunk and... Uh, young and promiscuous and kind of messed up and screwing up and all of that. So I'm I'm not to the part where they're we kind of like a broad city or yeah. absolutely fabulous. Yeah, a little okay. darker. It's darker okay. than that, but uh, in my opinion, um, I haven't gotten to the part where they sort of shift and we start to see like characterological changes or mm -hmm. anything like that. I'm still in like the first few episodes where everybody's just getting wasted and and generally being. Um, well, it's just not a good look. Okay. What's happening there. So that's happening. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the idea of vicarious trauma mm. and compassion fatigue as a follow-up to our conversation from a few weeks ago when you were, we were talking about burnout and that kind of came out of yeah. a discussion where you were feeling burned out and but then we just sort of talked when about, i came into the studio and just ripped everything off the walls and yeah yeah and i just sort of sat furniture. in the corner and waited yeah <laughs> yeah that was the whole room was ransacked by the time we started recording yeah, i just waited <laughs> and just kind of did my thing and then <laughs> you finally sat down you're like all right let's do that yeah yeah only kidding guys i don't get that violent no there was no Physically. throwing although i think she would have if she i like, was too exhausted <laughs> yeah it would have been half-hearted. Did something happen recently or are you just re revisiting it? No, I just was uh, thinking about the conversation and it kind of came up in the work um, just as a it's – it's a regular conversation that I have among clinicians and supervisors and staff about – um, so there's two things. There's the idea of vicarious trauma and then there's the idea of uh, compassion fatigue. And I just think those – <clears throat> are two things that contribute to burnout and are, and are also topics in this realm. So vicarious trauma, meaning um, the, uh, where's my little definition? Here it was, cumulative transform, transformative effect on the helper working with the survivors of traumatic life offense. Um, it's kind of like, even if you don't witness the trauma yourself, and even if it's not yours, the act of being exposed by hearing traumatic stories from a client is exposure in itself. What, what, I, what we know is that the brain experiences it like as if you are going through it. Correct. So we hear 
a lot of traumatic experiences in our work. Uh, the type of work we've chosen to do is the type of work where the the tragedies and the trauma that are that are happening in our clients' lives and through our staff's lives um, by way of the client, um, we just have a lot of that. There's a lot of trauma. I experienced this a lot when I was working with sex offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't um, picking up on their trauma so much as the trauma they caused sure. to others. Because yeah. actually, a lot of sex offenders, despite what popular belief, many of them were never abused, mm-hmm. um, sexually abused anyway. Um, but I had to read a lot, read a lot of police reports, yes. hear a lot yes. of their offenses over and over and over Mm -hmm. and it was really hard work yeah it's really hard work and i i think so some of the symptoms of it so those of you who either work in our industry or work in other industries where you come into contact with a lot of um traumatic stories or people who are have caused a lot of trauma because i think they hold that you know um not just therapists obviously so some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing, it's also called secondary traumatic stress. Uh, thoughts or images associated with the client's traumatic experiences. So just as if you were experiencing your own trauma and you might relive it, you're going to think of, you're going to create the memory in your own brain of the client's trauma and kind of carry it with you and not not able to leave it in the room. Uh, sometimes there's an obsessive desire to help a certain client we can you know we can get into that i think mm-hmm. all of us have experienced if not obsession but the urge mm-hmm. like the per- certain clients are really pulling you in and in ways that you know other clients mm-hmm. aren't you're not as connected to it um mm-hmm. the inability to let go of work related uh items or things associated with that client um perception of the survivors as fragile mm. Like as if you're their savior. So again, these are symptoms of the vicarious trauma. These aren't real things as opposed to obviously we we want to help our clients. But it, when it goes beyond it as the perception of survivors as fragile or that you have to protect or, them or, or the, help like them. Like you said, the obsession, right? Yes. It, it, you leave work and it, you're still ruminating and perseverating. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And unable to let it go because we do that sometimes. Yeah. Some people stick with us. But then we all have kind of ways we leave that behind right. for the day uh, and on that day it was us doing the podcast that day oh when yeah you, you know yeah. when you were exhausted and you yeah. had had a couple of days where it was just really it was hard to like let it out of your system mm-hmm. or let it go like we talked about it for a while which mm-hmm. usually helps and then we that did the was, podcast and got off the topic. Right? That was a lot of comp- compassion fatigue that week. Yeah. Like just feeling like everyone needed me mm-hmm. and no matter what I was doing was enough, wasn't yeah. enough. So yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So compassion fatigue. So just even those words, when we say those words, maybe you guys can connect to that. Like mm-hmm. you can tell what that means mm-hmm. in helping, you know, in helping industries or in industries where you have clients right? Mm-hmm. Like people who rely or depend on you. I mean, this could even be, you know, parents, right? Your kids, right. if they're, if they're, if they have high needs, mm-hmm. you know, that could be part of it. It's the, um, emotional residue or strain that is put on like by exposure to these types of clients that have high trauma or just high needs, you know, just high needs. So 
lot of, and there's certain populations, um, certainly home. And I know you can relate to this families Mm -hmm. and teens. Yeah. Lots of burnout because I was talking to someone the other day, a colleague of mine, because I'm starting to, as my career starts to move, I'm moving back into evaluation and assessment, adult clients. I still see families and kids, but anyway, my whole point in this is I'm starting to back out of it because it's never ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the parts that uh, with families that's difficult is I think when we're burned out, uh, maybe there's some vicarious trauma because of our own wounds and our own families that are, you know, playing out in the way we experience things, which would be totally natural and normal. Um, Plus the fact that I think when we're in that weakened emotional vulnerability of being tired or whatever it is, we can we can sit in the lack of change or the inability to be motivated to change on our family's parts or the 55 things we feel they need to do in order oh. to shift and we told don't, them and they don't do any of them that's a big one for me i've it's i've hard. been working with this family i absolutely adore this family but i've been telling the parents for the last 4 months you need a behaviorist in the home because mm-hmm. when there is something going on at 11 o'clock at night, calling me is not going to do a whole hell of a lot because mm-hmm. I'm not picking up. Yeah. You know, no, and, not a crisis and, line. and even if I did, mm-hmm. I can't do anything for you. So, and now they're finally coming around and recognizing how pervasive this is and could have saved them four months. You I know, know. It's, 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 that, difficult. it's difficult. And I get that they can't see it the way we see it and they're, trying to work in therapy and there, but this is the, this is the type of stuff I think that yeah. adds on to not just the compassion mm-hmm. and the vulnerability, but it's the I fucking told you so. I know it's so frustrating. I mean, we're, we're human. We, right. we, it's very difficult because sometimes, and I don't think this is just for therapists. I think there's lots of professions that can relate to this where we can play the tape out. And we sort of know 10 steps ahead um, from experience, from education, et cetera. All the reasons what makes you an expert, it makes you the kind of person that can see 10 steps ahead to what is needed. And we all know that if you're 10 steps ahead, it's it's only frustration. <laughs> it's only frustration. We have to constantly be one step ahead mm-hmm. and not 10 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's like if when we're feeling good, not overwhelmed, not overburdened, you know, like we all get into that spot. But when we regulate again and we're feeling a little bit better, then we go back to being one step ahead. Mm-hmm. And like you said, knowing that intellectually and cognitively, like, okay, they're not there yet. Let's do this next step. Mm-hmm. Let's do that next step. Just like with kids and whatever they're learning in school. It's like you're not going to teach them algebra when they're learning division right. you know so it's like but when you but when we get tired and overwhelmed and overstressed it's really hard to go like okay they can only do this one step mm-hmm. because you need a behaviorist in the home or whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. and it's painful sometimes to wait the six months for them to be in the appropriate stage of change and have the appropriate level of motivation and, and, and go into an action stage of change to do something about it. It's hard it. for people to admit they need help. Oh, my God. So hard. 
you know, and I, yeah. And we have a lot of compassion for that. Thus the name compassion fatigue. So uh, it's the, it's this idea of we are compassionate with others 24 seven. And so there can be things like feeling ill. A lot of people somatize, um, compassion fatigue, um, you know, feeling overly anxious, being absent from work, uh, doing less rather than more in, in your work. Um, mine has shifted where I used to somatize yeah, and now I get irritable, yeah, real irritable, real quick, which is actually better than somatizing, um, in the sense that it's, it's right out here to deal with it. Right. It's, right. Yeah. It feels more, I, I feel more in control of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because you can, you can work with irritability, <laughs> but a stomach ache is like, you feel what, much attack. more, yeah, you feel much more powerless yeah. with that. So being irritable or angry and needing to vent is better because if you have a stomach ache, it's hard to know how to, yeah, you can external, you can talk about it and externalize it. It's hard to connect like, I need to calm down or I need to talk about this with a stomach ache. Right. If you're irritable, you know what you need to do. You need right. to kind of vent. But with a stomach ache, you're not immediately going, I need to talk about something. I have right. a stomach ache. You're like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. But often that's why, right? Like that's why. But they're they're slightly different. So Sh- Shannon was with me quite a bit <laughs> when I would somatize. I think I had every like problem in the book. Yeah. When we were working in addiction recovery, because we worked in a, a chemical detox, which yeah. you see a lot of stuff. We actually worked in a place where we were doing all levels of care mm-hmm. every day. So we were doing detox. On a trainee level. I mean, we you and doing, I already had our MFTs, but right. still. And yeah. so I felt for the newer people to yeah. the profession, it was, you know, they were somatizing even more. They were out all the time sick. They were avoiding doing groups. They were doing all kinds so of So Shannon and I were behavior. already in this place. It was a doctoral placement, but we had already had our master's. And even with that experience, I was getting sick. Yeah. I just, I'm struck by the fact that all levels of care, because we were working in, a, we were just thrown into the in fire. a detox, residential level of care and outpatient level of care. A, a medical detox. On any given day. We were seeing people have seizures, vomit, mm-hmm. Well, and they had a GR contract, which for those of you who don't know, is the government-assisted program for um, being able to avail yourself of this kind of medical care. So um, many times we were in the same day treating a doctor who was private paying their way through. I'm remembering mm-hmm. this one person who's a doctor and was paying cash monthly to be there and homeless people on the GR bill. Yeah. You know, and in the same detox unit and then trying to have all of the socioeconomic, cultural differences, all kinds of things in groups that Shannon and I ran the detox groups the whole year. We were supposed to rotate every two months. (laughs) And they're like, you know what? You guys can handle it. Shannon and I had the whole year. Yeah, the whole year. They switched us from one detox group to the other, but... (laughs) I just remember those were hell. I just remember just like um just like medical doctors do uh sometimes in your placements you have rotations. So in this particular place they rotated um twice so there were three different rotations for the year. And so most people got rotated off the detox unit. 
<laughs> no, not most people. Everyone but oh, us. All right then. Everyone but us. That's um, I'm not I'm not fabricating. No, I know. I yeah. remember. I'm as you're saying it, I'm remembering that I remember when we were going into the third rotation and I remember looking down looking at the schedule and the supervisor saying, "Yeah, I mean, we just figured that works with your time, you know, like certain days and times that you're available. And you can handle it. And you've been, it's been, you know, minimum, there was a lot of minimizing to like manipulate me into thinking that it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, it's been okay, right? You've been fine. And I was like, uh-huh, I have been fine. It's like, I had this, I had this like, this feels like when I was a kid and I was in the gate program, which in California is the gifted program in school. And what was the gate program in my day and time? It was sit in the corner and read a book. Mm. It was not progress your knowledge beyond mm-hmm. fabulousness. It was she can work on her own and she's smart. Let's make her read a book in the corner while I teach these third other 30 kids. I was at in their the other level. 30. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I had a little bit of a thing, like, because I'm good at it, I have to do it right. all year long, Yeah. as opposed to being treated like a person that needs a break from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was burnout, <laughs> compassion, fatigue. <laughs> so yeah, but we did it. High five. Um, so I think that's our show. That is our show. Yeah. So join us next week for the first week of Richard Kuklinski, uh, the Iceman. He was a mafia hitman for many, many, many years. He's a very interesting dude. And so we're going to do three, four episodes on him for the holiday season. Yes. (laughs) So appropriate. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.